First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't generate amusing holiday cards, but it will personalize career paths for your people and let you know which suppliers are best so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I'm Christina Royster. And I'm Yasmin Gagne. And you're listening to Hit the Ground Running, a fast company podcast where we help young professionals uncover how to make it in the ever-changing world of work. On today's episode, we recap a challenge that we did where we turned off our Slack and email notifications after hours and over the weekend. We also speak with our fast company colleague, Julia Herbst, about maintaining a healthy work-life balance and setting boundaries. Uh, I got another message while we're sitting here recording, yes. Uh, let me guess. It was on Slack. Yes. First of all, I didn't even know that you could pause your Slack notifications. That was life-changing when I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just so tired of all these messages. It's like overload. I get email, Slack, and some people don't even don't even know what Slack is. Did you know that? I told somebody like, oh. Yeah, I know. They're like, what's Slack? I'm like, that is my <laughs> lifeline. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> So if you don't know, Slack is kind of a like a messaging app, sort of like, you know, Google chat or anything like that. And so um, Yaz and I have actually been trying to challenge ourselves to turn off our Slack notifications and email after hours and the weekend. So how did it go for you, Yaz? Well, pretty poorly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last week, I was working on an article um, where I was interviewing a lot of people based in Bali, which meant that you know, Bali's 12 hours ahead from New York. And I was interviewing a lot of people at like six or seven in the morning or like 11 or, you know, 11 PM or 1 AM, which meant that inevitably I was also on Slack. Here's an audio diary of what happened. I'm in hell this week. I am working on an article about how Bali has been affected by the lack of foreign tourists. And what that means is that I've been interviewing a lot of people in Bali I'm in New York, which is 12 hours behind. So I've been doing a lot of interviews at six or seven in the morning or 11 at night. And what that means is my work-life boundary has been kind of shot as a result. I don't have much of a work-life boundary anyway. I get anxious if I switch off my Slack about what messages I might be getting that I'm not seeing. And I would rather see them every time, I think, than not and get anxious about it. It's kind of a vicious cycle. I don't really know how to break it. Yeah. That's my week. Now, I'm someone who's usually pretty anxious about turning off my notifications. A lot of the time I've found that I'm more anxious about not replying to something, you know, thinking I've received a message and haven't mm -hmm. replied than I am just like seeing a notification, replying to it in the moment. But um, I feel like you're pretty different. Yeah, for me, I definitely have hard set boundaries. I log on at 9 a.m. I log off at 5 p.m., and I just don't look at it until the morning. <laughs> Sometimes things have come in after hours. Like, let's say I log off at five and I get a message at six. If I'm still around and I see the message, I will reply. But if I log off at five and head to the gym, I'm not replying to you. I'm at the gym. I, I, I can't. I respect that. I, I get what you mean about the anxiety because as a younger employee, I do feel like I always have to answer people. I don't want people to think that I'm just especially working from home, nobody's watching me. Our, we've talked about how our work is autonomous. Like, I don't want people to think I'm just hanging out watching TV. So I do try to answer messages pretty quickly. I answer messages as soon as I get them, really. But other than that, I would say after hours, I don't even look mm -hmm. at my email or Slack at all, if possible. And another thing that I've noticed is I get less emails because I am more of a junior employee. 
a lot of people aren't emailing me, I guess. <laughs> wow. Well, I remember- Is that the same for you or no? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, oh. <laughs> I remember you said that last week you took a mental health day and I'm curious how that went for you. Well, I did take the mental health day, but I don't know why I thought it would just be a day with no office communication. That's not the case. People did message me even on my day off and here's an audio diary of how that went. Today is Friday and I took a mental health day today. So I'm getting a head start on our no office communication over the weekend challenge. I thought I set myself as a way on Slack with a status of out of office. I checked and it turns out I did not set the status. I only set myself as a way because I say this because I got five Slack messages today on my day off. And I'm just thinking to myself, why are people messaging me? Can you not see that I'm away? Can you not see that I'm out of office? I was very irritated, actually, because I felt like it wasn't really respectful of my day off for people to still message me. However, I realized it was my fault and I didn't set the status. So once I realized that, I immediately set it. And I didn't answer those people. And I feel bad. I don't want people to think I'm rude or ignoring them, but it is my day off and I wanted to stick to this challenge. So that's exactly what I did. So as you can hear, I was a little annoyed because I felt like when somebody announces that they are taking a day off, you should respect that and not message them or just wait until later. I don't know. Things are different now that we're working from home. Mm -hmm. It used to be like, oh, Christina didn't show up in the office today. She's out of office, which means we're not going to bother her, you know? But now it's kind of like that always on type thing. Like even though mm -hmm. technically I'm taking an off day, I could just be sitting at home watching TV, but it's my off day, you know? And I feel like the blinds have kind of been blurred. And I'm guilty of this too. I kind of did this two weeks ago, so never mind. I <laughs> For example, I messaged someone and she replied, oh, I'm actually off sick today. Mm -hmm. But she replied, so I kind of pushed it a little <laughs> further, like, okay, well, since you're here, can you answer this one question? And I guess that wasn't really respectful of me either, so. Mm -hmm. The difference is when I'm off, I'm not replying. You replied, therefore, I'm going to assume yeah. you can talk. That's like a work snowball, right? So you log in to reply to one thing, you know, you sign in, you're like, I'm just going to get this one email out. And then you end up doing 10 things because you're online and people are asking you questions. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So um, we also asked some of our colleagues about their work-life balance. And it seems like we're all kind of different all over the place. You know, <laughs> some people have hard boundaries mm -hmm. and some people are like, oh, I work until 1 a.m. We talked to Casey Afini. He's actually the multimedia editor here at Fast Company and the host of the Creative Conversation podcast. And this is what Casey had to say. So the question was, how do I maintain my work-life balance? And the short answer is I don't. Um, <laughs> this question feels like an attack, to be honest, because my work-life balance is in a constant state of trash. But there are two things that I'm trying to do right now that I think are getting me closer to not feeling like trash. One of them being I've been trying to wake up earlier to fit more things in my day, like working out, practicing piano, catching up on the news at my leisure, and not because I'm crashing an article for work. And also at the top of 2021, I declare this my year of no. I have a tendency to say yes to everything, whether it's related to my full-time job or freelance projects. But this year I did make the decision to wind down as much work as I can for other people and focus on my own projects. And that has been incredibly hard because 
on the one hand, I'm immensely grateful to have the opportunities that I've had fall in my lap over the course of my career. So I feel like I'm slapping the gods of fortune in the face if I turn something down. But I only have but so much energy and time to spare, and it would behoove me and my life and my work and the balance therein to focus more on what I want to do versus what's given to me to do. We also asked my counterpart, Lara Sorokanich, who works on the print magazine, and here was her response. Okay, so I have two things to say about this. Um, The first is maybe a little bit controversial, but I think unless you're getting paid six figures a year for a high power job with a high title, I don't think that your work has any right to bleed into your after hours or your weekends. There are people who need to do that and they should be compensated for having to work their asses off all the time. But if you're in an entry-level job that pays like, you know, a, a decent but not super high salary, I think you have every right to create boundaries between when you're working and when you're not. And the other thing I'll say is when you create really strong boundaries, when you say, you know what, I'm not going to work past 6.15 or 6.30, I'm not going to work on the weekends, you still want to do a really good job. And what that does is motivates you to work really hard during the day so that your reward after getting all the things done on your checklist is to log off and not have to think about it anymore. Um, so I think it's two part. It's like you have to know your worth and know what's worth your time. And then you also have to motivate yourself um, knowing that the reward you'll reap on the other side is not having to be worried about your work 24 seven. This is kind of going to what I said earlier, like your position in the company probably also plays a part in how much work you have to do after hours or on the clock. And I just see it as I'm a younger employee. I've gotten all my work done. I'm not really needed at 7 p.m. Like, why should I keep these notifications on, you know? It's interesting because I almost feel the opposite where I'm like, I'm a younger employee and I want to show people that I'm here to work. But yeah, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. two sides of the same coin, I guess. That's true. But what about what KC said about making time for your passion projects, making time for what you want to do and not being so plugged into work that you're burned out. You have no time for your own stuff. Because outside of Fast Company, I do host my own podcast. Y'all can find it. Go on social media and find me. (laughs) But sometimes at the end of the workday, I'm like, oh, now I got to record my podcast or oh, now I don't feel like painting, you know? And so I don't want like all my energy to be depleted because I'm working nine to six, you know? Yeah, I get that. I feel that a lot. And it's something I think about a lot. You know, I really love my job. And I think sometimes when the stuff I love doing intersects so much with my job, like I love writing, I love coming up with story ideas, but what it means is you're never off. Like anytime I'm even scrolling Mm -hmm. through Twitter, I'm like, is this a story? Like, is this something we should follow up on? And I find it very difficult to separate those two as a result. You know, I think you love painting, yeah. which is different from being on social media. And there's like, yeah, that's yeah. my only break, really. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to try and find some solutions. We're talking to Julia Herbst, who edits the work life section of our website about maintaining a healthy work life balance, setting healthy boundaries, and coming up with some positive solutions to burnout. First, the bad news. 
SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey, Julia, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk to you a little bit about this whole work-life balance thing. And to start off, I have kind of a philosophical question for you. I feel like you're you're a pretty, you know, philosophical person. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is work-life balance? How would you define it? Yeah, I feel like there's sort of been a move away from the term work-life balance recently um, towards the idea of work-life integration. Um, and I say this sitting on the couch with my dog chewing a bone in the background <laughs> in case anyone <laughs> is wondering. Our lives are, you know, probably about a third of them are spent working, um, you know, sometimes more for some of us. So the idea that work and life are separate is sort of an antiquated idea, right? And especially, I think, with the move to remote work, a lot of us are feeling that integration more than ever. I think in some ways that's a really great thing. And in other ways that can be really problematic and challenging for folks. So yeah, it's definitely an interesting time to be talking about work-life balance. What's it been like for you during the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a real danger for a lot of us, you know, who are lucky enough to be able to work from our homes and couches as I am right now. <laughs> um, there's a danger of having to feel like you're sort of half working all the time. And so I've been trying mm -hmm. at least to, you know, put some more boundaries than maybe I had before. And I think a lot of us are also dealing with the idea of burnout. You know, I think it's a lot harder when you're isolated, you're not seeing friends and family, there's not kind of the like work hard, play hard thing happening. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been trying to kind of keep those boundaries a little clearer than they were maybe previously to the pandemic. I think that's been going okay for me personally. Um, but it's definitely like an intentional intentional thing. And I think it also has a lot to do with where you're working and um, how your coworkers and your managers and other people in your lives are sort of treating those boundaries too. Yeah. One thing that you said about, you know, we kind of feel like we have to show a little bit more face virtually now, because when we used to come into the office, people could see Christina came in at 10, Christina left at six. Now nobody mm -hmm. really knows what time I logged on, what time I logged off. And I was telling Yaz that there seems to be a little bit added pressure being young, being a woman and being a person of color. So can you just talk mm -hmm. about um, how this whole always being on type thing is kind of adding more pressure to different demographics? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, there is like sort of a desire to be performing that you're working. Um, exactly. And, you know, I think a lot of it depends on the manager, but some managers sort of expect that, you know, they want to know that like, it's, you know, 905 and I know where Christina is or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, luckily our company's not tracking us because some companies do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a fast company in general, there's a lot of trust and kind of built in understanding that you get what you need to get done. But I, I do think that that is a real danger, especially for women, especially for people of color, for any sort of marginalized group to be kind of showing that you're being professional, showing that you're, you know, getting it done. I think there's definitely a trend, especially in some tech companies that we've been reporting on and kind of checking in with about kind of a move toward results and not the number of hours you work. So if you can get all your work done in five hours, and maybe it doesn't matter that those hours are from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. or whatever, you know, it can be more of a performance based. And I, th I think that there's a lot of desire for that, um, especially for knowledge workers to move away from 
nine to five, you know, are you sitting in a chair somewhere, even if it's not your office? I like the sound of that. Yeah. I think a lot of what you said sort of comes back to like a company culture. You know what I mean? Like a lot of that comes from bosses, Mm -hmm. right? Telling you like, if you get it done, that's fine. But, you know, on our end, as we're sort of like more junior employees, what are the things that like I or Christina just shouldn't be doing? How can we set boundaries on our time? Yeah. So I think you're right that a lot of it is about company culture and about sort of what those expectations are, because you can have the best boundaries personally in your life. But if your manager doesn't respect those and is, you know, on Slack at 2am expecting you to reply, that doesn't really work. But assuming that your company, you know, is respectful of those things, I think then in that case, there are a lot of things that you have to do to just kind of check in on yourself. One thing that's been good for me is just sort of setting those boundaries and then realizing like, you know, things don't fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't always have to reply to that email that you get at 9 PM. Like it will still be there in the morning. Um, And a lot of that I think is sort of anxiety related and, you know, wanting to feel like you're on top of things at work. And so some of it I think is sort of just experiencing that maybe, you know, and seeing that things work out. Okay. You know, occasionally there's going to be some fire that has to get put out right in a non-work hour, but most of the time, you know, the things in your inbox can probably wait until the morning. And so I think practicing that is really important. I think part of that comes down to like, you know, managing your notifications. Like maybe you don't need to have your Slack on all the time. You know, maybe at 6 p.m. the notifications stop and you just train yourself not to look until the next day. One thing that's been really helpful for me too um, is sort of having a like end of work ritual for me now that I have this dog, (laughs) it's going on a walk. Um, And, you know, she's actually been really great for helping with work life boundaries, you know, just having a a dog that's like, hello, I'm here also. (laughs) Maybe go outside, walk around the block, spend some time, you know, that sort of thing can be helpful. You know, I think if you're living with other folks, um, you have roommates, if you have, you know, a partner or kids, then that can also be helpful, you know, like setting sort of clear expectations, like I'm going to be working from nine to five. But then after that, like, you know, let's go on a walk, let's play this game, let's do something that is sort of marks the end of the day every day and helps you kind of shift because there isn't that commute or whatever you used to have where you kind of transitioned between your like working professional self and your personal everyday self. So I think that can be helpful too. Yeah. Another thing that people tend to forget about is midday breaks. You don't have to just get everything done at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. So can you give us some advice about taking breaks during the day? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's really good is what I was sort of saying about having a schedule. And so a schedule should also include lunch or some sort of break. I think, you know, (laughs) it is in some ways a lot easier than it ever has been to go take lunchtime stroll or something like that. You know, when you're Mm -hmm. working in a big office building, like we used to, it felt kind of like you were in there and then that was sort of it. You know, you have to ride an elevator, that sort of thing. But here it's a lot easier to sort of set those boundaries. So I think it's sort of going in, you know, at the beginning of the day, being like, I'm going to be online for these hours. Like this is when I'd like to take a break in between my meetings or whatever. So you have sort of a plan. And then, yeah, I mean, I think it can feel really great to do a load of laundry or, you know, call a friend, do something that you normally might not be able to do during your time, because it is a big luxury to have sort of that integration that I was talking about before. And also one more question about breaks. I've seen some 
teams create their own Slack channels to just notify each other. Like, hey, I'm stepping away from my computer. Be right back. Okay, I'm back now. Totally. Do you think that's too much information or do you think that's respectful of your team? I mean, I think it depends on sort of what your dynamic is. You know, if you have a team of 50 people, maybe that's too much for everyone to be messaging. I feel like that's when a Slack status can be very helpful. I try to use them pretty proactively. And, you know, a lot of people on my team do too. Um, It's not perfect, obviously. People will still sometimes message you and not see it or, you know, just expect you to see it when you get back or something. But yeah, if I do step away from my desk, you know, I do try to change my status to say like quick break back in 30 Mm -hmm. or doctor's appointment, something like that. I think that can be useful. The thing that I struggle with most in terms of taking breaks is actually, you know, you mentioned kind of the opportunity to maybe go for a walk at lunch, but I'll try and sandwich things in. So I'll be like, I'm going to walk while I'm on this call (laughs) or while I'm, you know, in this meeting where I need to listen, but I don't necessarily need to say anything. And Mm -hmm. it kind of feels counterproductive. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to take a break, take a real break. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe be realistic about sort of what you can get done in that break time. (laughs) Sometimes multitasking can be good, but if you've been doing it all day or they say that, you know, one of the most exhausting parts of work is sort of all the switching back and forth we do, you know, when you're on Slack and then you get an email and you're in a meeting and someone's messaging you about something else. Like that can be very fatiguing for your brain. So I feel like if you're actually... That is triggering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're actually going to use time as a break, then maybe try to use it as a break, you know, which doesn't involve doing nine things at once, but maybe just a walk with no music or podcasts or anything, which sounds crazy these days. To kind of go back to what you said about integration, you say that that could be a good thing, but I think that might be unhealthy. I don't want my work to bleed too much into yeah. my life. I mean, I understand we basically are our careers. Like I'm trying to become a career woman. Yeah. And so I don't want to be, well, sure. It's one aspect. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be one of those people that my whole life is just my job, you know? So that's why I'm just a little worried about the whole integration thing. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe a better way to think about it would be like integration with limits or with boundaries, right? Like there's some flexibility, hopefully at a lot of people's workplaces when they're working remotely, that maybe they're going to a doctor's appointment with their kid, or maybe they're doing a lot of laundry, you know, but they're roughly reachable between these hours. But yeah, when those hours are over, work can't be integrated in every aspect of your life. And I think it's still very important, especially during the pandemic and when things are stressful and overwhelming that there are still limits on that time. I think if you try to half work all the time, you're not going to get anything done. Like it really is a productivity thing. Ultimately, like you need time off, you need breaks. All of those things help you be more productive and feel better about what you're doing when you're at work. So I think companies should respect that and understand that if they want the best out of their employees, they need to give them off time too. And then the same goes with vacations. More and more research supports the idea that vacations are important and vacations have to be time when you're not on Slack every 10 minutes either. I want to talk a little bit about saying no to things. So, you know, beyond just switching off after work, it's like Casey in a, in a recording that he made for us said this was kind of his year of saying no. So if there was an assignment that he felt like he couldn't take on or might be too much, he just turned it down. I personally have a lot of trouble doing that. And I'm curious. I was going to say, (laughs) yeah. I'm curious whether you have any strategies, I guess, for kind of doing it. You know what I mean? I feel like as a junior employee, there's so much pressure on you to kind of. Me too. Pick up the slack and take advantages of opportunities. Yeah, it's something I definitely struggle with too. But I think Casey's right. Like you have to say no to some things. You're going to end up doing a lot of stuff you don't want to do. And that's not really helpful for your career and will just burn you out. So I do think that's really important. I think probably just checking in about sort of what your 
priorities are, right? And that can be hard to do when it's in the heat of the moment and somebody messages you and you're like, yeah, I can totally do that. That's far away. (laughs) I'll figure it out when it happens. You know, I want to be helpful. I want to be a team player. And those are all good things. And, you know, that that can be a priority depending on what your goals are. But I think continually checking in about like, is this something that's going to be helpful? Like, is this something that I'm the, the best person to do? Or in some cases, maybe you're not. And maybe by saying yes to that thing, you're depriving somebody else of having the chance to do it. I think it's important to kind of take that extra moment and reflect and think like, okay, what do I have on my plate? Is this a good use of my time? Are there other people who could help? Like what's realistic? And I think in that way, you can sort of balance your desire to help out and take Mm -hmm. on new opportunities with your desire also to maintain some sense of control and have a reasonable workload. Christine is in kind of a unique situation and she can certainly describe it better than I can, but she's someone who her team is short staffed at the moment. And she's had to take on a lot of extra responsibilities in addition to her own. And Christina, I'd love to hear from you how you're handling all that and how you're setting boundaries. And then I'd love to hear some kind of tips from Julia as well. I basically am the only person on my team right now. We're normally a team of three. And so we're down. I have noticed that before all this, I used to be able to log on at nine, log off at five. Now I'm working till 630, seven o'clock. And for me, I guess my thought process is, okay, if I start mm-hmm. earlier, I'll finish earlier. Yeah. So I have been logging on a little bit earlier to try to get things done. But as Julia said, I kind of just see it as I'm a team player and it's not going to be like this forever. We'll hire somebody soon. And I don't want to complain too much. But people have asked me, hey, are you okay? And I say no. <laughs> I've become more vocal because I was forced to be. I've been telling people, hey, I cannot do this. I need help. And it's really hard for me to ask for help because I guess I'm a prideful person. And I, I want to show safe face and let everybody think that I can handle it on my own. But I finally had to speak up for myself and said, no, I need help. Yeah, that's great. That's really important. I mean, you hit on a lot of the things that I was going to mention. I think definitely like you have to be realistic about, you know, what you can do. It's one thing when it's in this case, it's a short term problem. Obviously, you know, more people will be hired. And, you know, there are times obviously in everyone's work life where you just have longer days when you're on deadline and that sort of thing. But I think it really is important to let people, managers especially, know, you know, when it's too much. And, you know, I think also when people offer to help, like figuring out what they can do to take things off your plate, Mm -hmm. it can be hard, as you say, like you want to say, I can do all of it and you probably can, but like, should you, (laughs) you know, like there, just because you can do a thing doesn't mean that it's the best thing for you to do. And and I do think that there are a lot of people who want to help. And if you give them kind of the tools, something manageable that they could do, then they'd love to step in and sort of support you. So it's great you're asking. It kind of goes back to Lara's voice message that she shared with us about, she said, unless you're a six-figure CEO, you don't need to be stressed about answering messages at a certain time. And I definitely have realized, okay, I'm the social media producer. If one tweet doesn't go out, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> like I've just had to put it in yeah. perspective for myself that my work is important, but the company's not going to go under if I don't get everything done today. Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely something that I've been trying to, when I said like you sort of try it and see, I think that's like a really important thing. Like, okay, I waited until 9am to reply to this Slack, you know, where the person said, wait till tomorrow to reply to this Mm -hmm. Slack. Like it wasn't a time sensitive thing. They just wanted to send it then when that happens and you realize that like, it's fine, you know, nothing happened. It's all okay. That's an important lesson. And Obviously, we're in the news business, you know, all of us to some degree. So there is a sense of sort of urgency and timeliness that happens. But that doesn't mean that that's the case for every sort of 
Slack or message or email that you get after hours, right? Like everything is not an emergency. And I think especially in sort of the pandemic brain and thinking that way, everything can feel like an emergency. Everything can feel like if I don't reply right now, they're going to think I'm not committed to my job or I don't know, however your anxiety sort of manifests personally. But yeah, I think it is sort of about checking in with yourself and being like, okay, do I need to deal with this now? Sometimes for me, I'm like, okay, if I spend two minutes doing this, then it can just be sort of off my plate and out of my mind. And I think in those instances, then maybe it is worth dealing with sometimes if it can just, if it clears up mental space for you not to have to think about it, then sometimes that's okay. But if it's going to be like, you have to pull out your computer and sit down for an hour to figure something out that you could just as well do the next day, then maybe that's the thing that waits. Perfect timing, doggy. (laughs) All right, Julia. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Christina, my boundary queen, (laughs) what are we supposed to take away from this conversation? Well, it's funny you call me the boundary queen because I definitely have set hard times for when I log on and when I log off. But I also just work through the day. I do not take a lunch, as Julia suggested. I just eat while I'm working. So my takeaway is to definitely set up some more midday breaks for myself. Just step outside, get some fresh air or actually close my computer and eat lunch without any distractions. And um, I feel like those little breaks can really help your productivity, as she said. So that's what I'm taking away from this. How about you? Something that I love that she said was that often you just have to try it and then you'll see the world doesn't end. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to get to inbox zero by the end of the day because, you know, if you just stop answering your emails in the evening for a few days, you'll see that like things go fine and you can still do your job well. Right. And I think maybe that's something I'm going to try because that's really the source of my anxiety. Well, I'm going to hold you to it. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Christina, what have you been keeping tabs on this week? I am keeping tabs on this creative convention called CultureCon. CultureCon is basically like this big get together of young black creatives. Anybody creative really is welcome to attend. And um, they've been doing this for a couple of years now. It's put on by the Creative Collective and their leader is Imani Ellis, uh, just a young black woman on her grind and putting something. She said it started out as like a taco night at her house and then it just turned into this huge convention. I went in 2019 before COVID And I got to see Tracy Ellis Ross in person and Regina King, and they were all sitting on panels. And the panels range from podcasting to videography, just anything and everything creative. And so now, of course, during the pandemic, they had to switch to virtual. And I was hoping to get my hand on a ticket. And it turns out that all their tickets will be free this year because they partnered with Square to make that possible, give away 10,000 free tickets. Check out CultureCon by The Creative Collective. What are you keeping tabs on? I am keeping tabs on a newsletter that the LA Times sends out every week called The Boiling Point. It's about renewable energy and climate change and issues to do with sort of that field. I think it's super informative. It's very easy to read. And it's put together by a former editor of mine at the college paper and one of my best friends, Sammy Roth, who is just wonderful. Highly recommend following him on Twitter as well. But that's it. The Boiling Point. Thanks for listening to Hit the Ground Running. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and recommend this show to a colleague or a friend or a friend who is a colleague. Yes, and if you have a few extra minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're a new show and your review helps others find us. 
or you can send us an email at podcast at fastcompany.com. So let us know your thoughts and tell us if you're having a question or an issue you'd like for us to tackle on the show. Hit the Ground Running is produced by Franz Bowen with help from Blake Odom and with editorial oversight from Kate Davis. 